0: Hello and welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul. Justin Baker, my co-host, joining me via Skype. And as we dive right into part two of our trade deadline potentials, uh, we we have a signing to open the show. Uh, as you hopefully have already figured out and seen, the Toronto Maple Leafs have signed Austin Matthews to a five-year uh I guess it's fifty-eight point one five million dollar deal over the course of those five years. An eleven point six three million dollar cap hit. Uh, he'll get fifteen point two million in bonuses the first two years. Nine point seven in bonuses the third, and seven point two million in bonuses in the fourth and fifth year of that contract. For with a base salary of a cool seven hundred thousand. So uh, with that said, Justin your first reaction to this deal?
1: Yeah. Um, I got to say that this is a little bit different than what we've been seeing the last couple of years when it comes to a lot of your younger superstars, i.e. your Conor McDavid's and um, not signing the eight year deal basically. Right. So he's going in and he's taking five years instead of what he probably could have got is eight years, you know, and, um, and there's very good reason for this. Obviously I think, you know, the way the market's going, we're expecting the cap to rise and, teams being able to spend a little bit more money, you know, five, six years from now. And he wants to cash in because let's face it, I, I don't see him getting any worse than he is now, if anything better.
0: Yeah, that and I, I think that for the Leafs, it made sense right now with where they're at with Tavares and, and you know, even even someone like Patrick Marleau, who will still be on the books next year. Uh, this team is in a position where, you know, I, I think basically what we're seeing is this is they have a five year window. You know, I mean, who knows what'll happen at the end of that deal? Uh, Matthews might resign, but I mean, that also takes him to UFA, and uh, he may decide that you know he wants to go back to Arizona or something, or you know, you just you don't know. Uh, I think that he, you know, likely he stays in Toronto for a long time, even longer after this deal. But I think that this deal was, in order to fit everyone, we need to give you less. Years and therefore, we're going to give you a lower cap hit, um, which of course he'll get a bigger cap hit later on. So, it'll uh, I think it allows them to you know to fit Marner. You know, it's basically an extra probably two million that they uh, would have saved if they signed him for eight. And so, I think that that helps them do what they need to do. And so, next up, of course, will be Mitch Marner for the Leafs, who won't negotiate anything until after the season is over. And it's hard to imagine him getting less than ten now at this point. So it'll be uh, that's a tricky place to be right now. The Leafs have the highest one-two punch in the league uh, with Tavares and Matthews both basically coming in at eleven five. So you know they're at both at twenty three million combined. Yeah, uh, the highest, oh. even higher than McDavid and Drysital and all those guys. So uh, it'll be it'll be an interesting. You know, it, it doesn't really matter right now, but it's interesting, you know, three years down the road, what will that team look like? Uh, but who knows? Maybe there's maybe there's a change in the way that the whole cap works after the next CBA. We're, we're not sure. Uh, well, with that said, let's dive into our our the you know part two of our uh, our free agent li- or our, our trade deadline list. Uh, if you didn't listen to last show, we we. Listed, we went through a lot of the the bigger names. Uh, we you know Artemy Panarin and Bobrovsky, th- those guys, uh, and now we're kind of. It's not that the the guys that we're going to talk about are necessarily small fries, uh, but I think that these guys are after the the chips of a Mark Stone, after a uh, the uh, chips of you know the Artemy Panarins and the Sergei Bobrovskys have fallen. Uh, these are the potential moves. Like I think that everyone's kind of waiting on that, and so uh, until we see what happens there, I you know it's going to kind of be all right. Who gets the prize? Mark Stone. He's on. I think that Mark Stone above our Artemi Panarin is actually the prize because I I think that Mark Stone is uh, where Mark Stone could go. I think is a greater amount of teams because he's not as at least publicly has not made it is his declaration of being very picky as to where he wants to be a, uh, an ocean city. And so I think it gives him some more options. And uh, I think that he's probably a better over all around player than Panarin is too. And a little bit younger. And so it'll be uh, interesting to see what happens there, but let's, let's start. Where do we want to start? We'll start with, uh, Let's, let's go Edmonton Oilers because they're kind of in an in- interesting position. Uh, we know that Poyarvi's name's been out there, Kyler Yamamoto. Uh, of course, there's you know, anyone. I think that everyone on this team is available outside of Connor McDavid and maybe Dreisaitl, but uh, those two guys in particular have been talked about to move for somebody they can bring in now and help them make the playoffs. Uh, what do you think happens here?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, you and I sort of touched a little bit on this uh, prior, but I'm still in the mindset, I think, that, you know, if you're the Edmonton Oilers, right, you, you've got to gotta, gotta ride this thing out because in order to bring in a big-name player, you got to move some cap out, and right now they don't have really a lot of movable contracts to get guys out. Obviously, the big one that a lot of people talk about is Milan Lucic, and personally, unless you know Edmonton's willing to eat half of that contract, I don't see him going anywhere. And so the younger guys like Puliyarvi and Yamamoto, I, I think overall the best bet is you know keep them there, stay put because let's I mean face it they're twenty years old they're they still got time to grow. Um, it's not it's nearly not time to pull the trigger on them yet. So just ride it out, see what happens.
0: Yep, I think we're on the same page about that. Uh, let's go Justin Falk, who is a, a, I think we can also throw Dougie Hamilton into this mix because. You know, of course, Falk's been talked about for, uh, you know, at least the last two years as being a guy who maybe just doesn't fit because of the rest of the talent around him. But I mean, I feel like every defender on the Carolina Hurricanes has been thrown out there, other than Jacob Slavin, uh, even Brett Pesci. Brett Pesci, sorry. Uh, I mean, all these guys' names have been thrown around. Do you think that? you know, a Justin Falk gets dealt or Dougie Hamilton gets dealt as the Carolina Hurricanes right now, three points out of a playoff spot. Uh, But, you know, this, they, they haven't looked great all year and there's no reason to believe that they're going to be, you know, any more than a potential last wild card team.
1: Yeah. I mean, I agree. I I don't see them making, you know, a big splash in terms of, uh, you know, making it, Past the first round of the playoffs. So, you know, why, Why if you're making a move with one of these guys, why would you go out and get a rental, right? Why Because it's it's known that they're looking for a forward, but don't go out and go get yourself a rental guy who's probably going to leave or most likely might leave. You know, if you're Carolina, you want to move either a Dougie Hamilton or Justin Falk to a team where maybe you get a, a forward back in return. You might have, you know, a couple of years left on his deal. Um, you know, so you can squeeze him in up there under the cap where you want. Want to be in, let's face it, I mean Carolina's got a lot of cap space too to to work with right now. So, um, you know, one team I I keep going back to, and maybe it's just the hometown team, but you know the Red Wings, right? They've been looking for, you know, they they've got Mike Green, but they've been looking for that other right-handed defenseman to really drive another pairing. And you know, who would I mean, you give up? up?
0: Who would you give up?
1: Nyquist, maybe you. Who, I mean, you but, make a swap.
0: Yeah, but they're not gonna they're not gonna swap a guy who is two years after this year on his deal is 25 years old for a Gustav Nyquist, who was an unrestricted free agent at the end of no, the year, right? I so there's got to can... be – what? Are you, are you prepared to give up a first-round pick?
1: No, and I think maybe you throw in a, like another prospect here, you know, somebody uh, – maybe a defensive prospect that uh, – you know, maybe a Nick Jenny, Jensen, you know, you, you throw him in there, a guy who is seen as a pretty serviceable third-pairing guy um so maybe they want to add some depth there or maybe they want to use him to flip and you know maybe get another pick back but um you know i don't i, I mean again i i really don't know where either one of these two guys might end up uh just because again if you're a team you, you have to be prepared to take on an extra year or two depending on which one you get and so i think if you're carolina you want to get somebody back with a couple years at the forward position so you can have some value from that
0: the, the only unrestricted free agent i can see them being interested in is mark stone and if Dougie Hamilton was a part of that package that may put them near the top of the list. Okay, uh, that would I mean, that to me would be a a huge win for the Ottawa Senators uh, if you could bring in a high caliber defenseman to play with Shabbat or to or to play on that second pairing so that you know you have you have greater depth at defense, which is something they're sorely lacking, and uh, and have a couple of their bottom bottom pairing guys are unrestricted as well uh, very soon, and so. I think that that to me is the only – on UFA, if only if you – you know, you make that trade only if you already have a, a contract in place uh, for him to sign beyond this year. But, okay, let's, let's sure. go to Matt Zuccarello with the New York Rangers. The New York Rangers have been, uh, I would say, out of any team, exactly what we thought they would be. <laughs> like, I mean, in the Eastern Conference, I think we – well, we knew Ottawa would be bad – we knew the Rangers would be pretty middling, but still towards the bottom, and we knew Detroit would be pretty bad, and so that has all played out pretty pretty much the way we expected it. Uh, by the way, the Flyers have won eight in a row. If if you haven't noticed, <laughs> they're only, they're five five points out of the playoffs now, and and uh, somehow, and and you know what they get to St. play. St. Louis doing the same thing. Yes. on the other side. Yes, St. Louis six three and one in their last ten, and now only three points out with with three games in hand. Uh, And and for uh, Philadelphia, their next game is against the Kings. So that should be nine in a row. Uh, This team just wins in bunches, apparently. They've been doing that for the last couple years. Uh, But anyway, so the Rangers, right where we expected them, they're obviously sellers at this deadline. And you've got to expect that teams are calling about Matt Zuccarello. And uh, now, granted, he is... Uh, he's a UFA at the end of the season. It's funny that we're not talking about him more as one of those, at least, I mean, he's not elite. He's not that high end like Panarin or stone or Duchesne, but he's definitely that next level. You know, we, we, we've talked about a lot of different players, uh, over the weeks leading up to this point. Um, I would put him in the same ilk as a, as a Derek Broussard, uh, or Wayne Simmons. I, I think that they're right there at Gustav Nyquist. I think that they're, he, he may be better than all of those players. Uh, he's a little bit older. He's 31, but to bring him in for a playoff run, uh, he's already he's been to a Stanley Cup final with the Rangers, and so what do you think they're looking for for Zuccarello? As, as well as I think Kevin Hayes is a possibility to be moved as well. I think though the Rangers would probably prefer to sign him long term. But yeah, I I think for a
1: guy like Zuccarello, and maybe even um, you could probably say the same for uh, Kevin Hayes. On this team, I think they're they're looking for maybe a second and third round, or you know maybe even throwing a prospect in there, um, because both these guys, like you said, they're they're that next level, they're that that Gustav Nyquist type caliber player. And I mean, you know, Zuccarello, he's been a perennial 50 point player for the last four seasons, so you know he's he's been constant, right? There's no up and down to his game, so you know what you're getting, and not to mention the speed that you're still getting with a guy at his age too. Um, which every team at, at, you know, this time of year still covets, I mean, any time of year really covets uh, speed. So, I mean, this, this is a guy who can pretty much slot into your top line, slot into your second, even maybe even your third line, if you have that much depth on your forward position. And uh, you know, when you, when you talk about a team that maybe might be looking to add just one more, you know, top six forward to the group. And I think of a team like Tampa Bay right now, they've got, nearly $8 million in cap space to add at the deadline. And with, you know, Zuccarello, I think he's still at like $4.5 million on his, his last year here. Because uh, right now, the way Braden Point and Kucherov are playing together, um, you know, for whatever reason, John Cooper has decided to slot Stephen Stamkos on that second line to sort of split up Stamkos and Kucherov and, you know, make, make that one-two punch a little bit more deadly. And I think, you know, playing with Yanni gordon Palat's great, but I, I would... Love to see another speedy playmaker on his wing to feed Stamkos the puck, and I think Zuccarello would look really good playing alongside Stamkos and maybe Yanni Gord there.
0: The fact that it's even an option for the Lightning to bring somebody in <laughs> is absurd. Uh, it really yeah, is. the 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 one thing that I would point to, and uh, we know you, we can always look back at, at a, G, a general manager's trade history. Uh, is let's look back at last year's trade deadline where the Rangers were able to. For Rick Nash, I mean, the Rangers got Ryan Spooner, uh, a first-round pick, and a seventh-round pick, uh, along with Bolesky. You know, they took Bolesky to to offset some of the salary. Uh, sure. But they were able to get a roster player back and a first-round pick for Rick Nash. Uh, they were all in, in the McDonough and J.T. Miller trade where they got acquired Domestikov and Brett Howden. They also got uh, a prospect, a first-round pick, and a second-round pick uh, if Tampa had if Tampa wins the cup this year uh they will get a first another first round pick uh in this upcoming draft in 2019 wow. so uh that and so yeah so they I mean at very least they have a second round pick so I mean they they traded yes two very high end players I think higher end than uh, Zuccarello or Hayes. But he was able to acquire a first-round pick in both of those, and so I think you have to look and and know he's going to at least get a second with a conditional, you know, win the cup and it's a first, or re-sign him and it's a first. Uh, I think Jeff Gordon has proven that he will. Uh, he, he's going to make deals work uh, for their organization for the future. They've been really nice about you know really good about trading uh, upwards for the future. So. New York Rangers, I think, will be are one of the kind of the like underrated, interesting teams here at the deadline because they really could uh, change the face again. You know, they kind of did that last year, but they could do it again. Uh, let's go to the Devils, who have been kind of a disappointment uh, after last year. Ta- of course, Taylor Hall's been injured, and uh, some different factors really just not great goaltending. But Ben Lovejoy, uh, and jo- Marcus Johansson, both up for uh, up for grabs, I think, here at the deadline. Uh, ben Lovejoy would be a nice, you know. Of course, he, he won the Stanley Cup with Pittsburgh, and so I think that uh, he'd be a nice acquisition. He is he is injured right now, um, but I, you know, I, as far as I know, he's not out long term. So uh, I think it would, uh, yeah, he would he would certainly help any team looking for uh, a Stanley Cup. And Marcus Johansson also a free agent as well as Brian Boyle. So this team's got some some of those depth guys that uh, that could make a difference in a series or in a, in a particular game because of the way they play, uh, anything in particular that you think that the devils are looking for?
1: Yeah, I think two names to, to watch out for more than any on this roster and they, they might surprise you, but Keith Kincaid and Brian Boyle. And I say that because, you know, you look at, you know, maybe an offensive talented guy like Marcus, Marcus Johansson, right? I think what he cost a second and a third round to come over there from Washington. and Um, I think they're going to probably try to recoup that because I, I just, I really don't see him re signing there. Um, or at least I, I think it's a 50 50 toss up at this point. There really doesn't see, seem to be much momentum of him re signing. So I think he might be a little bit more difficult to move because I think New Jersey might want a little bit more back and might want to recoup what they lose uh, from that trade. But as far as Brian Boyle goes, you got a guy who can slot in at your third line center if you need him. Four- Fourth line is even better for a guy that is pretty much one of the top faceoff guys in the league, and he's a big body, still skates well. He's you know on pace to put up, I think, career-high numbers in terms of points right now. Um, and so he's still a 30-point guy that can play on your third and fourth line if needed, kill penalties, and he's, he's just an all-around hammer. And then looking at a guy like Keith Kincaid, right, you look at a team, uh, to me, like Tampa Bay, for example, right? Uh, they've got Louis Domingue, but how much do you trust him, right? When when Vasilevsky went down, you re- really saw a lot of goals going. I mean, luckily Tampa Bay is able to score a ton, so they were able to, to really lessen the damage and still keep winning, but um, I think Keith Kincaid, because the emergence of Blackwood and still on the hook for Corey Schneider for a few more years, I think Kincaid would be a nice chip to play um, in a goalie market where there's a lot of high-end starters that are looking to get moved, but Yet teams looking for maybe a backup or just some insurance policies, he might be a little bit more of a tradable asset.
0: Okay, yeah, that's a good point. Um, well, let's let's go to w- one of the bigger names uh, on my list. That uh, you know he's not he's not a free agent, not a free agent for uh, for a long while. Still has four years left on his deal, but I, th- I th- his name has been floated. So uh, we too will uh, will float. Said name, uh, Duncan Keith, the Chicago Blackhawks. We know that Brent Seabrook has already come out and said, uh, "Nope, not waving my no move clause. Don't care. Don't. It doesn't matter to me. I'm staying." Uh, Duncan Keith has not, and so uh, is there a chance that Duncan Keith is dealt at the deadline? Uh, just for some some background info on his contract, he does have a five point five three eight four six two uh, cap hit, but. This year he is, I mean, you know, whatever the rest of the year is on the salary, he gets 4.5 in the actual cash that he's getting. Next year is 3.5. The year after that, 2.6, 2.1, and then 1.5 in his last year. So I think that in terms of a team who may be, you know, on that that bubble uh, but doesn't have all the cash to spend— May be interested in Duncan Keith if you know you're able to pry him away and convince him to come to your team. Is there any chance Duncan Keith leaves Chicago?
1: Boy, I you know I really got to put this at maybe a five percent chance right now. Um, uh, you know, with that the cap hit is so one so you're thing, saying
0: there's the, a chance.
1: There's a very very slim chance, uh, and that's only because he hasn't come out and said I'm not going to waive it and I'm staying put. Uh, that's the only reason I still give it a few few percentage points of him going. And I think uh, the biggest factor that, that would play into this is the term still left on it, right? He's still got four more years after this. And I think any team, uh, um, you know, maybe willing to fit him in right now is going to find difficulty, you know, with the last few seasons of the contract. So, um, but the, the,
0: But the nice thing, though, is yes, it's a cap number, but they're only paying out. A million and a half 2.1 million in cash and so that's where i could see a team you know let's say arizona comes calling and they go look like i mean they they've had pretty friendly relationship between these two teams if you think back all the trades that they've made between them uh antoine vermette went from from arizona to chicago and then won a stanley cup in chicago you have uh you have i mean Jalmerson who went from Chicago to Arizona. You you have the Dylan Strome trade that they made recently. I think that these two general managers, John Chaika and Stan Bowman, have a good relationship. And so, you know, to be able to go, hey, I mean, there's some of your former teammates. I'm I'm just gonna pretend that Duncan Keith likes Jalmerson. So, you know, there's some motivation to go down there. Uh it's a young team. They're on the rise. I would say, I mean, Chicago is definitely on the on the downturn. Granted, they've won four in a row, but who cares? I mean, they're four games under five hundred. Although they're only five points out of the playoffs, which is hilarious. That the the eighth place team for the wild card is only five points out of of reaching that second spot. There, that's that's crazy. Whereas in the East, that uh, that eight team, which is in, which is Detroit, is ten points out. So, and they've played two more games than Columbus too. So, really, they're probably more like twelve. Uh, but. To me Chicago's on the way down and Duncan Keith could go live in a really nice warm spot won't have to deal with the polar vortex and could be a part of a team that seems to be building towards something and that team wouldn't mind his cap hit and they would appreciate the fact that he's making less money.
1: Yeah, yeah I could could agree with that and like you talked about the relationship there before they've made some deals. Um, The only other team I think too that um, I could see a real possibility of him being a decent fit in terms of the veteran leadership and presence that would be great on that blue line would be the New Jersey Devils. Um, their captain, Andy Green, has got one more year left, and he's gone, and I don't see him re-signing. He's just, at this point in his career, I think he's gotten even slower than Duncan Keith has, uh, maybe even slower than Brett Burke, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> and then you Get uh, it, burned because
0: they're the Devils? <laughs> that was so bad.
1: <laughs> uh yeah, so yeah, New Jersey Devils a possibility, but uh again, I very, very slim. I, I just don't see him waving his claws much like Brett Seabrook. I think those two are lifetime hawks and uh Keith likely will get his number to the rafters in my opinion, but uh that's another talk for another day.
0: Okay, let's let's quickly shift gears to the LA Kings who uh are rapidly falling apart. Uh they you know, of course they're bottom of uh, bottom of the west, almost bottom of the league if it weren't for Ottawa, uh who's gifted Colorado a first overall pick. And shoot, the way Colorado's looking, they they might be up for two first overall picks. at uh, first and second. What if what if that happened? Uh the LA Kings are not really in a, a great situation in terms of players becoming unrestricted free agents. They do have Carl Hagelin, who they acquired for uh uh um, now I'm blanking on his name. DeFooli. DeFooli. Yeah. I'm sorry, no, not to Foley. but the the uh, other one. Pearson. Yes, there you go. And uh and then Nate Thompson as well. So there's their two UFAs. And uh, I I'm I'm wondering this. I'm I'm looking across the league and I'm looking at the goaltending situation. LA is in uh, Jonathan Quick's 33 years old. And LA is not going to be good next year. I uh, I know they may they might like to be, but I don't think that they will be. Is there a chance that maybe they go you know, we could get something for Jonathan Quick right now and there are some teams desperate for goaltending. Maybe we can ship him off and you know, maybe you can you know ship him off along with a uh, with Jeff Carter and and really do something to shake this team up. Are there any moves out there that this team can make to shake this lineup up? Or are they do they even want to shake it up?
1: No, I I do think they want to shake it up. And uh, when you talk about a Jonathan Quick, right, the first team that that pops up in my mind is the Florida Panthers. I think Roberto or, you know, Mr. Luongo is fantastic when he's healthy, right? But the problem is staying healthy. And I think, you know, while Jonathan Quick's been dealing with that lately too, um, I think if the LA Kings are willing to take back, say, a James Reimer, uh, come back the other way, and then, you know, like you you say, maybe you throw in a couple picks or a prospect to come back to L.A., I think Jonathan Quick would look really, really good um, as a starting goaltender for the Florida Panthers here as they try to assert themselves as, you know, a playoff team here in the East. And, uh, you know, I mean, he's still 33, so he's not up at that age yet where you really start to see a huge decline. I still think he has the ability to be a number one, um, but playing in a situation where you do have Roberto Luongo who can, you know, potentially relieve you, you know, a good 20, 30 games out of the year. I think that would be great for Jonathan Quick. Um, and on top of that too, I think another piece, Jeff Carter, like you talked about is a great chip to move right now. I think there's still a lot of teams that value his goal scoring ability and his ability to play that second line center position so well in terms of the two way game, and, and at five point two million dollars, a cap hit that you know, granted, still runs for another three years after the season, I still think is still uh, still tradable.
0: Yeah, yeah, certainly still tradable. Uh, I would say the Florida Panthers. I mean, they've they've without tampering, I think that they've they've done their best to let it be known that they want Bobrovsky and Panarin. Oh, for sure. You oh, know, so sure. I think that Bobrovsky is is first on their list. Uh, Which you know, if you have to choose between Quick and Bobrovsky, you're taking Bobrovsky at this point, especially just because of the, I think there's a four year age difference. Uh, But the Florida Panthers are. I would, I agree though. They have certainly set themselves up to acquire some players, and so I think that they have to be on the radar for any player, especially players who have played in warmer climates to begin with. I mean, let's be honest; it'd be hard to go from playing in anaheim to going and playing in edmonton you know that, that's that's a difficult shift uh i'm trying to think of if any players did that <laughs> i know that i mean gretzky went from playing in edmonton to la and then notice it's not like he tried to go back so it's it's difficult to uh, i imagine to go live in places that are nice and warm and then go somewhere colder so uh, i think that it's yeah, I mean, it's Florida is going to be an interesting destination. I think that it's almost been thought of as, you know, why doesn't Florida get these free agents like Tampa does? You know, or the interest like Tampa does. And I, I don't know, the Florida Panthers organization, I think, as a whole, there, there's something wrong with it. I, I think that players, you know, there's interest in players, and then when push comes to shove, they almost always go sign somewhere else. And really the only guy who's been a huge... Pro- Proponent for the Panthers is Roberto Luongo, uh, but you haven't seen you know this this huge influx of thirty two plus year old players go. I'm going to go and like enjoy the weather in Florida and play hockey down there and love it. No, guys, guys don't really do that. At least not any more than any other team, you know. So I, I think that it'll be interesting though to see can they bring in some huge names and really shake up that locker room because. Let's face it. I mean, Bar- or, uh, Barkov, Huberdo, Dadanov, Trochek, Keith Yandel, it's, it's not good enough. They're not good enough. Doesn't, I mean, yeah. it doesn't matter how, how good you think they look on the ice. Uh, it's not good enough because they're not beating anybody.
1: Right. No. And, I mean, don't get me wrong. Adding Hoffman was a great addition, but like you said, they— Hasn't done anything.
0: It truly really yeah. hasn't done a thing
1: right and I, I do think there needs to be a little bit of shake up there and when you when you talk about free agents not really considering florida destination right i always think of two things one if you're a free agent and you go to a state with no state income tax that's just more money in your pocket right so you think more free agents yeah. would Totally be open for that, but they don't. So you're right. There, there definitely has to be something going on with management in there that the players know that we obviously don't. And I think uh, you know a lot of these agents might be whispering, "Hey, you know, stay away from Florida because you know their management isn't so keen." Um, But I I well, they've been there
0: one. They've what they've been to the playoffs once, once in the last what, 15 years or something like that? So.
1: Yeah, and, and they're always at the bottom of the league in terms of attendance as well, too, you know, and I think Tampa, you know, without their recent success over the last, you know, five, six years, you know, they might not be filling the, the stands either. So, um, you know, I think Florida, I, I remember you need what success. was...
0: success, you need success to me. But yeah, also, but the, but the vibe in Miami area, like, you know, they're like whatever, greater Miami area, uh, is is way different than Tampa Bay. Oh, for sure. T- Tampa, that that golf side is is a totally different vibe and culture. Uh, so that's that's where I think that comes from. Um, I I know that we uh, we got to get running, but I want to throw one more name out there because if he becomes a tradable asset, if this team decides that they aren't going to make the playoffs or it's not worth hanging on to him or they won't re-sign him, Jeff Skinner of the Buffalo Sabers could bring in a a handsome ransom. And uh, so I'm wondering what you think the Sabres could get for Jeff Skinner, who right now has, what, 30 goals? Close to it? Something like that? Yeah. No, Yeah, yeah. so uh, what do you think they'd get back for Jeff Skinner?
1: Boy, oh boy, that would be a King's Ransom wouldn't it? I think, obviously, I, I look at Thomas Sattar last year getting a first, second, and third round pick from Vegas, and I think when you look at a guy like Jeff Skinner, you at least have to get that, right? I mean... He's a 30-goal scorer right now, and he's on pace to, you know, definitely going to break 40. I would hope so. Um, So you you have to assume at least a first, second, and then probably either, you know, a a roster player or, you know, a prospect who could turn into a top-six type of player, I think, if you're Buffalo. But, again, I think Buffalo's still hoping they can get him signed into that $9 million range. But for me, I think if he does become tradable, it's got to be a minimum first, second uh, you know, a roster player, maybe a prospect as well.
0: I just feel like it's a mistake to pay Jeff Skinner nine million dollars. But oh, uh, we're we're living in a different world <laughs> where Jeff Skinner could get nine million dollars. Uh, he does have a no movement clause, so there is that. Uh, so he might be staying in Buffalo, regardless. But uh, yeah, I think you know we'll we'll find out more, especially in in I'd say two weeks from now. Uh, things may have changed. I know that, you know, they're, they're saying that Mark stone, he's going to kind of get his last offer maybe this week and same with Matt Duchesne. And that'll really set the table for the next couple of weeks. So looking forward to, you know, just that news coming out and the everything progressing so that we can see what the landscape looks like here. I'm, as much as I love the trade stuff, I'm I'm looking forward to things being settled so that then we can look ahead to the playoffs. That's where it really really starts to get fun. But uh, until then, of course, you know nobody has any problem with uh, with dreaming about their team bringing in Artemi Panarin. So uh, it's it's all fun. Any last uh, last thoughts before we head off into the night?
1: Yeah, you know I'm just I'm hoping somebody here in the West can grab on to. To that playoff spots, you know, and just really separate themselves from the bottom of the pack because it seems like lately nobody really wants to do it. And maybe St. Louis on this little run they got going, maybe they can start to separate themselves from the rest of the pack.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna be honest. If Colorado doesn't make the playoffs, it's a it's a shame. That's a shame. Yeah, with that, how good that top line is, uh, it's crazy to me that they can't bring in anybody else. Uh, they they have to be in on on Mark Stone or Dush. Well, not Duchesne. <laughs> <laughs> you think Duchesne would come back? I don't think so. Oh no. Oh no. So, all right. Well, that's our show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, that is, uh, you can hit us up OT, at OT Hockey Talk on Twitter, and uh, you can let us know uh, what you thought of our analysis of these wonderful trade deadline potentials. Our next show, we will be going through the uh, what? What do we say we're doing? Oh, the biggest busts, the biggest busts of the year so far. Uh, so, tweet at us. Uh, maybe you know you don't have to tell us you know, that, uh, who's having it, who's having a horrible season that like, uh, what Ryan Kessler's having a bust of a season. Like we know that let's get a little deeper than the, the real obvious ones. But if you've got one where you're like, yeah, no, nobody's going to think of this guy, but he's having a really bad season. Show us why we'll, we'll talk about it on the next episode of overtime hockey talk. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you later in the week.